Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, Monday edition. Hope everybody had a very good weekend, and to everybody celebrating the holiday, happy Hanukkah. Not the best weekend for the New York Islanders. A lot more bad news than good news since we left you on Friday. First of all, a 6-5 to shootout loss against the Anaheim Ducks Saturday afternoon, at the Coliseum. We'll have a full analysis of that. A key injury to a valuable Islanders forward. We'll talk about that, and he is out indefinitely. And we will, of course, have this date in Islanders history and a full preview of tonight's game at the Nassau Coliseum against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So lots to talk about on today's show Let's start off with the game on Saturday, a matinee at the Coliseum. And, you know, the Islanders had historically done quite well uh, on matinees, but not so good this time. They get off to a quick start. Anders Lee, his 10th from Matthew Barzal and Jordan Eberle. Time of the goal, 150. And the Islanders seemed to be off and running, and the first period looked like things were going well. But unfortunately, late in that first period, the action really picks up, and we had three total goals in a minute and 23 seconds span, starting at 16:27. Max Comtois, his third on the power play from Lundstrom and Lindholm. Say that 10 times fast. Uh, time of the goal, 16:27, And then, you know, we talked about Anaheim and their special teams being shaky. And unfortunately, the special teams really hurt the Islanders during this late first period time. Then the Islanders are on the power play. And 36 seconds later, Sam Carrick gets his first goal unassisted. At 17:03, and the Islanders are down two to one. Brock Nelson then scores 47 seconds after that on the power play from Pulak and Letty. That's his 13th at 7:50. And after one period, this game is all even at two apiece. But it was sloppy. It wasn't your typical Islanders period where the team plays sound defense and and is smart in their own zone. You really didn't see that in this game, and it was a disappointing start, even though after 20 minutes, it's all even at 2-2. The Islanders did outshoot the Ducks in that first period by a 12-9 margin, 
but giving up a shorthanded goal on an odd man rush, never an encouraging thing. But the encouraging thing, I guess, the Brock Nelson goal, one of those dirty area goals in the crease down low with a tip, and that is certainly something that the Islanders had to appreciate. The Ducks end up taking the lead at the 523 mark of the second period. Ex-Devil Adam Henrique with a tip of a shot by ex-Ranger Michael Delzato, and it's a 3-2 lead. Uh, Corbinian Holzer gets the other assist on that goal, and the Islanders, who were outplaying the Ducks for the most part up until this point, really not, you know, living up to the way they're playing, down 3-2, and that is definitely... A, a problem for the New York Islanders. Islanders do tie it. Barzal, his 15th at 9.20 of the second period from Lee and Eberly. That line clicking very well, and it looked like things were on the up and up. It's a backhand for Barzal on a breakaway, and that makes it a 3-3 three three game. The Islanders then end up taking a 4-3 to three lead. Nice shot by Nick Letty. Gets it right under the crossbar. Nelson and Br Derek Brassard on the assist. Time of the goal, 14-15. And again, you figure, 4-3 Islanders. 5 minutes, 45 seconds left. Second period. Defense first team. Maybe you can uh, clamp it down a little bit. Get things going. But the Islanders couldn't do it. The Ducks buzzed around the Islanders' crease, created a lot of pressure, and in the end, it's Silverberg who has a shot from in close. He gets his 13th of the year, Jakob Silverberg, from Henrique and Hampus Lindholm, and just 36 seconds after the Islanders tied, uh, take the 4-3 lead, the game is tied, and it goes into the second intermission at Four to four. So not what the Islanders had hoped. They were ahead in shots on goal after 40 minutes, 20 to 19. But again, not what you really wanted at this point. And not the greatest game in net for Simeon Varlamov, who got the second straight start, by the way, ending the Islanders' goaltending rotation for the first time all season. One of the Islanders' goalies getting two consecutive starts. In the third period, under in the third period, Cam Fowler gives the Ducks a 5-4 lead at 10-19, his seventh from Delorier, uh, and that was one of those goals, again, that you just don't want to see. It's Fowler who beats uh, Varlamov to the glove side, on a shot that, again, you really thought he was going to be able to play. But with 6 minutes, 41 seconds left in regulation, Islanders on the power play, and Ryan Pulak with a hard shot from the point, his fifth goal of the year from Letty and Brassard. And again, after regulation time, the game is all even at 5 and nobody scores in the overtime, so we head for the shootout. Eberly is stopped, Casse is stopped for Anaheim, Barzal misses, and then Max Comtois with the goal. Bailey answers for the Islanders, and then 
Silverberg with a shootout goal, beats Varlamov, and that is it. The Ducks end up with the win. 28 saves for Josh Gibson in this one. Simeon Varlamov allows five goals in 28 shots, an 821 save percentage. Not his strongest effort, to say the least, but the Islanders do get a lot of good offensive production. Uh, two points each, Barzal, Nelson, and Lee, each with a goal and an assist. Eberly and Brassard, each with two helpers. Among defensemen, Nick Letty, three points, a goal and two assists, and Ryan Pulak with a goal and an assist, but a lot of minuses here. Pulak had also four hits and six shots on goal. Matt Martin, six hits, five each for Sezikis and Kamarov, but overall, just not a strong defensive effort for the Islanders, and again, you know, too many shots in between the circles and the goal that are quality scoring chances. And that's when Anaheim is without Ryan Getzlaff because he had, there's a flu going around the Ducks roster and he had it. Scratches for the Islanders, Dal Cole, Dobson, and Ladd. Ladd called up after the uh, injury to Cal Clutterbuck, but he was not healthy enough to play either. But if you want to stay healthy, the original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep service with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com backslash locked NFL and then use the locked NHL code at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you could find this and all other offers from Locked On sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com backslash offers. We'll be back to talk about the injury to Cal Clutterbuck, plus this date in Islanders history, and we'll preview tonight's game against the Blue Jackets at the Coliseum. Lots more to get to on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so as we mentioned just uh, before the break, Cal Clutterbuck injured uh, against Boston last week. Uh, A skate accidentally goes over his wrist. Surgery necessary Thursday night or Friday. Successful surgery, although, you know, when does a sports team ever say the surgery was unsuccessful? But thankfully... uh, Surgery successful. Clutterbuck out indefinitely, but is expected to return before the end of the season for the Islanders. Now, you look at the stats. Clutterbuck, three goals, four assists, seven points in 33 games, but he is a valuable player for this team. First of all, he has 116 hits uh, so far this season, and he is a plus seven overall, which is impressive. Clutterbuck also big on the penalty kill. He has both a shorthanded goal and a shorthanded assist, leading the Islanders in hits uh, as of right now, although he probably will lose that lead shortly. Also blocks 36 shots. The other thing, though, is this. A lot of intangibles with a guy like Cal Clutterbuck. He blocks shots. Uh, He is a leader in the locker room. He's a veteran guy. He's been there. And he's the kind of a player who 
you know, makes the other players around him better, who the younger players in the locker room look up to, they respect him, he is 32 years old right now, still sort of at the end of his prime, and a hard-working guy who just does things the right way. The Islanders, you know, he's not going to score a lot of goals, but the Islanders are going to miss what he brings to the table on a night-in, night-out basis. And again, you hope he comes back soon enough that he's able to get into good hockey shape before the playoffs get underway. The other thing you're going to miss obviously with Clutterbuck out of the lineup, is the chemistry that that fourth line has with Matt Martin, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck. Uh, You know, Ross Johnston will probably get some more ice time as a result of Clutterbuck's absence. Leo Komarov might get some extra chances in the lineup as well. But at the end of the day, the unique chemistry that this fourth line has, that Really, you know, the Islanders thought so much about it that one of the first things that Lou Lamorello did when he came back as general manager and joined the Islanders was reunite, reacquire Matt Martin and reunite Sezikis, Martin, and Clutterbuck. So the penalty kill will definitely be hurt. The fourth line, the physicality, the leadership, you know, you're not going to see a lot less goals necessarily being scored, but you are going to see a different feeling out there on the ice, and it'll be interesting to see who in that locker room is going to step up and take up some of the slack that is going to be missing as a result of Cal Clutterbuck not being in the lineup. It's something to keep an eye on, that and the PK especially. So uh, we'll see how the Islanders respond. Andrew Ladd called up, did not play because of an illness, uh, but Obviously, here's a a veteran guy who is chomping at the bit to play, did his time in the AHL, had a second rehab stint there, and now uh, needs to, you know, go up and play his game to show that he is still a quality NHL player who can contribute offensively. Not the same kind of player as Clutterbuck, not going to play the same role, but maybe Ladd can help the Islanders' offense pick up some of the slack that they've been dealing with. So, you know, it's out there for discussion, and hopefully, uh, you know, somebody can pick up some of that slack. But I think you're going to notice the absence of Cal Clutterbuck. A couple of other notes, by the way, from Saturday's game. Islanders now 12-1-2 in their last 15 home games, and this was their first non-win in a matinee this season. They are 3-0-1 in afternoon starts this season. Still have a point in every game. And this is also the first time that the Islanders lost a game under Barry Trotz. So that's last year and this year when they scored five or more goals. They are now 38-0-1 under Trotz when they score at least five goals. And the rotation of goalies that we talked about briefly earlier over 33 straight games there uh rotating goalies till Varlamov got two consecutive starts uh to end that streak against the Ducks and I get the feeling we're going to see Thomas Grice in the game against Columbus tonight 
right, we're going to take a little break. When we return, we will have a full preview of that game against Columbus. Plus, look back at the best game of a Hall of Fame Islanders career statistically. We will have all this and more when we return. All right, it's time for this date in Islanders history. We take you back to December 23rd, 1978, Nassau Coliseum, Rangers, Islanders, in this renewal of the great rivalry between these two teams. And this was, statistically at least, the greatest night in the career of Hall of Famer Brian Trottier. He got the scoring started at the 1340 mark of the first period with his 20th goal of the year from Jerry Hart, and the Islanders led 1-0. But less than two minutes later, Ron Greshner answers for the Rangers, his 12th from Pierre Plant and Dave Farish, and after 20 minutes, it was all even at 1. But in the second period, the Islanders exploded for 7 Yes, count them. Seven goals to take a commanding 8-2 lead. Mike Bossy got it started on the power play just a minute 11 in. Who got the assist? Brian Trottier. Trottier then scores his second goal of the game, his 21st of the year at 341. Clark Gillies and Mike Bossy, the his top line line mates, getting the assist. Then, less than... A minute and a half after that, Gary Howitt scores his eighth from Trottier and Hart. Stefan Pearson continues the Islanders' offensive deluge on Wayne Thomas, the Rangers' starting goalie. Howitt and Ed Westfall with the assist at 8.59. Then Bossy, his second of the game, his 25th of the year, from Trottier and Gillies at 11.21. And then Trottier with two more in the final minute. 41, uh, 21 of the period, his 22nd from Gillies and Bossy at 1839, and then his 23rd from Stefan Pearson and Clark Gillies on the power play at 1944. Now, this goal was originally credited to Stefan Pearson, but after the game, they changed it to trots when replay showed it deflected in off his stick in front of the goal. So it's eight to two Islanders, uh, after 40 minutes in the third period, another power play goal for Trottier, his 24th of the season, his fifth of the game from Bossy and Dennis Potvin at 7.38, and it was 9-2 Islanders. Late goals by Mike McEwen and Anders Hedberg get the Rangers to a slightly more respectable 9-4 final, but this game was all Islanders. Trottier finishes the goal of the game with five goals and three assists for an eight-point night. Bossy, two goals, three assists for five points. Gillies with four helpers in this game. And then Gary Howitt, a goal, an assist, and a fight. Stefan Pearson and Jerry Hart also with multiple points in this game. Billy Smith in goal makes 32 saves and the 14,995 fans at the Coliseum, most of them go home happy. Wayne Thomas replaced late in the game by John Davidson, but a 9-4 Islanders win and an eight-point night for Brian Trottier against 
the New York Rangers coming back on this date in Islanders history, December 23rd, 1978. All right, so tonight the Islanders play their final game before the holiday break. They face the Columbus Blue Jackets, a 7 o'clock start at the Nassau Coliseum. Islanders have won the first two games of this division rivalry. They won 3-2 in Columbus back on October 19th. And then on November 30th, a 2-0 shutout win uh, at home for the Islanders. So Columbus right now struggling, especially struggling to score goals. They are ranked 28th in the league at goal scoring, presently 7th place in the Metropolitan Division with a 16-14-6 record. That's 38 points in 36 games, tied with the Rangers, although Columbus has played one more game. Special teams, not the strength of the Blue Jackets. Their power play ranked 23rd with a 17.1% success rate. Penalty kill a little better, right near the middle at 17th in the league, they kill it off at an 80.6% success rate. Judas Corpasalo is the starting goalie. He has started 28 of the team's 36 games. He's 16-10-3 with a 2-5-6 goals against average and a 9-10 save percentage. Elvis Merz-Lincolns, he got to start the last time these two teams played, Eight starts, 0-4-3, a 3-4-1 goals against average, and an 8-89 save percentage. So backup goalie has been an issue. Gustav Nyquist right now leading the Blue Jackets with 26 points. The leading goal scorers, Oliver Bjorkstrand and Pierre-Luc Dubois, both tied with 12 goals, and Nyquist, Dubois, Bjorkstand, Seth Jones, and Cam Atkinson all have more than 20 points right now for the Columbus Blue Jackets. And again, a team that is kind of struggling right now and hoping to start picking up the slack. They're off a, a, a good performance. Their last game at home, a 5-1 win over the New Jersey Devils. We take a look at their line combinations. Boone Jenner is the first line center between Nyquist and Bjorkstrand. The second line centered by Pierre-Luc Dubois with Alexander Texier and Eric Robinson on the wings. And the third line, Alexander Wenberg, centers Nick Foligno and Kevin Stenland. On defense, a little bit more talent here. Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones, a very strong top pairing. Dean Kukan and David Savard are the second pairing, while Vladislav Gavrikov and Scott Harrington make up the third defensive combination. Uh, again, this is a team that kind of struggles to score goals, and the Islanders need to keep them bottled up and not allow them to have a breakout the way they did to the Ducks on Saturday afternoon. Lots of injuries uh, right now in Columbus. Brandon Dubinsky, Sonny Milano, Ryan Murray, Josh Anderson, uh, 
Cam Atkinson, all among the injured players. Eight players in all right now on the injured list, and that is another reason that Columbus is struggling to put the puck in the net. We will be back tomorrow with a complete review of this game and an analysis, and of course, we will now, for the holiday this week, we're going to take Wednesday off for Christmas Day, but we will be back Thursday and Friday, and we'll have a few special features to get us through the holiday week as the Islanders are off after tomorrow until Friday afternoon. But we will have all of it. Don't forget, you could follow the show. Uh, you can email us if you have any questions, comments, or have a topic you want us to discuss. Send your name and where you're from to LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. You could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. Uh, and, of course, thank you, as always, for listening. It's great to have you here this, today, and every day on the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.